Hey everyone, welcome to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Just a quick note before today's episode. This summer, we're completing our series of introduction videos with our final season of filming, and we still need to raise about $30,000 to cover those costs, and we would love you to help us with that. And you can do that by visiting the Spoken Gospel website and clicking on Donate. And by doing that, you can contribute to bringing books like the Book of Revelation to life. And whether that's through a one-time gift or a monthly donation, your support makes all the difference in the world. So thank you so much and enjoy today's podcast. Welcome to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Spoken Gospel is a nonprofit dedicated to the idea that every part of the Bible, Old Testament and New, is about Jesus. And this podcast is our experiment to publicly test that belief. Every episode, hosts David Bowden and Seth Stewart work through a biblical text to see how it helps us see and savor Jesus. Let's jump in. Well, welcome everyone to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Thank welcome. you for joining us. We are wrapping up our talk on the book of Esther. Our talks plural. Our talks through through the book, the book of Esther, Esther. <laughs> I, I I use the wrong K or like the wrong like what is it plural singular, singular and plural what's that genre called oh uh pers oh. number number is it just the wrong number <laughs> is that it I know what it is and that's what we call it in Greek but I don't know if that's the wrong number <laughs> of things the wrong number <laughs> of things <laughs> and the wrong preposition yes <laughs> failed David, David's rough this morning i'm guys. rough it's first thing in the morning um uh, before we go on yeah what are some resources for people like hey i really want to study the book of esther more deeply on my own i want to hear oh, where you man. guys are thinking through some of these categories where would you point people to help them understand the book of esther oh that's a great that's a great question uh mm. i think we can put it in the description yeah but there is an article by ian duguid okay um Spelled on duguid duguid is yeah. what it looks like and uh he he's a great uh a great scholar um, scottish too right I think so. He's he, I think he's lived in a bunch of places. Yeah. Uh, for like long periods of time, so his accent is like very blurred. Yeah. But now he's in the states. Um, and uh, anyway, it's a it's a it's a it's a article. You can read about fifteen minutes, and it's about the es eschatologic, like the eschatology of the Book of Esther. Right. The eschatology of the Book of Esther. That's the which, name of the article. Oh, is it? <laughs> yeah. Oh, great. That's the name of the article. And uh, it, which is like the which, which is sounds like really the, the the law like the the future coming of the savior yeah, yeah. that we see in the book of esther i think uh oh yeah it, does anyone in esther live happily ever after yeah like that's how he ends it yeah, yeah. and um, so oh actually the name of the, the name of it is but did they live happily ever ah, after there we the go eschatology of the book of esther yeah so it's actually it sounds a little scholarly but it's not it's not it's, it's super not. easy to read um, um i would recommend redemptive Rever reversals by gk beale yep you can uh, you can hold it up oh, look, for those the camera for, for those watching um, on youtube you can see the book it's a great little book and the first couple chapters are about the irony of sin mm. and the irony of salvation so yep. super like what we talked a major theme of the book of esther yes um i was also really helped by karen job's niv application commentary mm -hmm. so if you want to do a deep dive a deeper dive like and go verse by verse through it I really liked her. Yes. Um, I was going to recommend the Tyndale commentary series, which okay. is also written by a wonderful uh, a woman theologian. I'm trying to pull up her name right now, but... Um, Just like a man to forget a woman's oh name. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> it's the worst. Uh, here it is. It's uh, Deborah Reed. 
Okay. Deborah Reed, I heard, uh, Tyndale's, uh, and her. I read. I read through her introduction, and it was phenomenal. Super, super phenomenal. Uh, so those are some really good rec- recommendations I would make. Oh, and the uh, Help Me Teach the Bible podcast. Help Me the- Teach the Bible podcast hosted by Nancy Guthrie. It's also really excellent. She's phenomenal. And I think she's in conversation with Ian Duguid. On about- Ezekiel. That's oh, it's Ezekiel. on Ezekiel. Oh, yep. I forget who it is on yeah, uh, but Esther, but it's They do excellent. a wonderful job. So Bible that's a Project great- is also super helpful. Yep. Bible um, Project talks about the chiasm really well, so you can mm-hmm. go watch their video to kind of mm-hmm. see the chiastic formation that we kind of referenced in the first episode. If you go watch the Bible Project video to see that really clearly. So those are some good resources to help you through, yeah. I think. Totally. So the story so far then. Yes. Book so go. Huge party. Yeah. King Xerxes. Vashti refuses to be objectified by uh, Xerxes and all of his drunk officials. Right. She gets banished. Sexualized beauty pageant. Haman is elevated to power. Mordecai refuses to bow to him. Because of a great eternal battle. Because of a great eternal battle happening behind the scenes. He a descent. Mordecai, descendant of King Saul. Haman, a descendant of Agag. Go back to 1 Samuel 3 yep. to read that story. Um, then, yes. Mordecai, uh, there's an is edict. angry. Uh, Mordecai, yeah. Haman is angry, makes this edict to kill all Jews everywhere. Mordecai says, Esther, you're our only hope. She says, sure, if I die, I die. <laughs> we then uh, have these multiple feasts that are set up to convince Xerxes to save the people that happens and Mordecai is elevated to a position of power and is able to make an edict that counteracts the first. So this is kind of where we are in the story. And Haman is brought down Uh, from power and humiliated. Yeah. He's ironic reversals. We talked about that in episode two. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So where we are right now is that Esther and Mordecai have now eliminated the threat of Haman, Mm -hmm. but the edict is still circulating the empire. Right. So on the, 13th of Adar, yep. all the Jews will be killed by all their enemies. Right. All the people of God will be killed by the em- the by the empire. Yeah, and it, there's not like a uh, mass communication system that's like uh. instantaneous. It's not like they could just like send a, a group chat and right. you know like or like <laughs> do a public service announcement on TV or something. Right. Yeah. And and besides that, the law of the land cannot be revoked. So Xerxes can't just go back on his law mm. because one, he would lose face and going back on his law. Yeah. Uh, and it c- goes back to like that kind of ironic pridefulness. He assumes the best way to run his nation is by having unchangeable laws, but it's kind of stupid. What happens when you make a stupid law mm. that has to be revoked? That you is can't a, because that would re- require humility. That would require like, <laughs> that would require some self-reflection, yep. which apparently doesn't exist in the empire. Um, so Xerxes tells Mordecai and Esther this, so they come up with a counter edict, a counter mm-hmm. decree, and it's that all Jews are allowed to fight back oh. and that they are allowed to bring friends and family that are not Jews to their aid to destroy anybody that comes against them. Well, okay. So I actually didn't pick up on that. Okay. But you're you're right. Right, right, right. You're, you're absolutely, I just, I read it like a, never mind. What we said before is not true anymore. No, that's but you're right because because I what I wondered about that I was like, they were given permission explicitly. It says to to harm those who sought to harm you. Yes, but I was like, how would they know if if the edict you know the first edict didn't actually go out? Yeah, they, but they this, this is war now. This is all out war. So like it's wow. like this like so the edict goes out saying Jews. Defend yourselves. Uh-huh. Gather, gather, an, gather an army for yeah, yourself. People's militia. Yeah, people's militia in order to defend yourselves. Huh. That's the second edict. Okay. So it, it allows Xerxes to save face. 
but also prepares the Jews to do battle. And what's crazy is, as Mordecai rises to power, Mm -hmm. as this edict goes out, fear of the Jews overtakes the capital city. Mm. So uh, let me read it to you in chapter 8. Where is it, Seth? What are you looking for? <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry. I found it. I found it. Okay. Verse, uh, chapter 8, uh-huh. verse uh, 16. So, then Mordecai went out from the presence of the king in royal robes of blue and white with a great golden crown and a robe of fine linen and purple. And the city of Susa shouted and rejoiced. And in every province and in every city, whenever, wherever the king's command and his edict reached, there was gladness and joy among the Jews, a feast and a holiday. Mm. Um, and many from the peoples of the country declared themselves Jews Hmm. for fear of the Jews had fallen on them. Hmm. So there's this great site. Now Jews prepare yourself for battle. And as they're doing this, as they're doing this, people are afraid. The empire citizens of the empire are afraid of the people of God and out of respect, out of fear, fear, (laughs) they do become Jews themselves. They align themselves with the people of God in order to be part of the salvation that's coming for the people of God. They see the salvation pronounced from the throne and they want to be a part of the people of God's kingdom rather than the kingdom of the empire. I think a really easy way to say that is like, this is a conversion moment for multiple people within the empire. Whoa. Okay. Okay. I have so much I want to parse out of that. (laughs) Okay, go. Okay. So first off, there is this category I think we have for um, the the mustering of the Jews, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. and the fear of the nations. Okay. So I think of uh, the king of Moab that hires Balaam in the book of Numbers, yeah. who feared the people who were camping on his shores. Right, 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 right. Um, I think about the people of Jericho and like the story of Rahab, mm-hmm. you know, like she has heard about this great God and his what he did in Egypt, and so she Repents. ends up yeah. repenting and helping yeah. the Jews. Yep. Like this is like a cycle that's happened: is that when God's people are mustered by the hand of God, the nations quake in fear. Which is like that should sound like the prophets. That should sound yeah. like Psalms. Yeah, this yeah, is yeah. something God does. Yes, with His people. Yes. So that's just something I just noticed yep. that I hadn't thought of before. Uh, so this is happening again. Yep. Which, like, I think should clue us in, which we'll talk about. But that yeah. should be one of our first big clues of, like, this sounds like the conquest of Canaan again. This sounds yeah. like the holy wars of Israel again. Yes, and it is. It is, when we'll get there. Yeah, yeah. But so that, that's, that's one thing. Uh, the other thing is, like, this sounds a lot like the blessing of Abraham being fulfilled. The promise all to Abraham. All the nations of the world will be blessed. All nations of the world will be blessed. Even citizens of the empire. The yes. pagan, brutal, awful empire. Yeah. Which is like coming into the kingdom. And it's also like, it's, it's a really interesting thing. I just don't, I don't think of the Old Testament, especially like when I, when I read it, I don't see a lot of conversion. Yeah, that's to, fair. To, to the Jewish nation. That's fair. It's just not something I see. Because you'll see every, there's all sorts of laws for sojourners mm-hmm. and exiles. There'll be hints that the Gentiles will come in through the prophets or an expectation that there's foreigners living in the land yep. by, in the Psalms and the historical yep. narratives. But we don't really see the conversion a lot. No, we don't. And so here it is. Yeah. So that's very interesting. Yeah. It's just like a, whoa, I guess that happened every now and there's then. There's an edict of salvation right. and good news for the Jews. Right. And then you have a whole bunch of citizen of the empire yep. joining the cause. So there's that. Yeah. And then there's also just like the why did they like why did they 
proselytize? Why, Why did, did they, they convert? Convert. And it's like, like I like how you said it. Yeah. They there was this new edict. There was yeah. an old edict and a new edict. Yeah. And there was there was one that was about death and one that was about life. And they yeah. wanted to join the edict of life. Yeah. And I'm like that sounds like an altar call. <laughs> it does. It sounds like a Billy Graham crusade. It sounds like the ending of the book of Deuteronomy, which we were just in. Like oh, I said before you, life and death, totally. blessing and cursing, yep. therefore choose life. And there was an edict on the, the mountain of life and, then, and an edict on the mountain of death. And, which one will you choose? And what he said over and over again in the book of Deuteronomy, fear the Lord. Right. It's like, it's like, like uh, the, be- the fear of the Lord is the beginning of beginning wisdom, wisdom and yep. knowledge. Like yep. fearing like, God. All throughout Deuteronomy, yeah. how will they obey the edicts put before them? Fear me. Right. Right? Yes. And it's like the fear fear of the Jews gripped the people, and so they converted. Yes. And it's just very interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Wow. Fascinating. What a strange little statement. So do we see Jesus in this particular instance, or do we need to move further in the story? Well, I, I, we... No, I think, I think we absolutely do. I think that like there are, I, I can think of like parallels in some of the teachings of Jesus, especially ones that in which he talked about the end times. Mm-hmm. where he talks about like how he will come and like he will judge and he will rule and reign and he's like so expect that day you mm-hmm. know and like go out into the fields because the harvest is plentiful plentiful but the workers are few and like so go yeah. and tell people that that day is coming yeah, and yeah expect yeah. it and repent you know and like I, right. I think like the fear of the lord which is like a really good thing right like like this was this saved people from a holocaust. Yeah. This is a very good thing that happened yeah. here. Um and for us it means the recreation of all things, it means the righting of all wrongs, it means the in, the enacting of of great justice, yeah. you know, it means the restoration of our bodies, the defeat of death, the defeat of pain. Yeah. When Jesus comes is like what right, I'm saying. Right, and like right. but that day if you are still under the edict of death, right. That day is a fearful dreadful day for you. What is how does Luke uh how does Jesus introduce himself in the book of Luke? When he first comes, uh, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Yeah, to proclaim uh, liberty to the captives. I'm yep. going to read it right now. Um, yeah, the spirit of the Lord is upon me mm-hmm. because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, liberty to the captives, the recovering of sight to the blind, and set at liberty all those who are oppressed mm-hmm. to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Right. So what is happening here? In, what's the edict yep. coming out from Susa? The year of the Lord's favor. The year of the Lord's favor cu- is here yeah. upon the Jews. Yep. The oppression, oppression will no longer exist here. Like right. n- some of the liberty to the captives is coming. Yep. Don't be in fear of the enemies. Uh, the messianic hope has arrived. Yeah. And even like Mordecai has clued us into that. What Esther is accomplishing is yep. messianic hope. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Maybe deliverance will rise from somewhere else. Like this yep. is a picture of the messianic future that will come. That's right. The final victory over the enemies of God yes. accomplished for, by Jesus yep. through his ministry and, and at the cross. And the news of this coming day. Yes. Because this edict was still in the future. Yes. It was soon in the future, but yeah, it was yeah. in the future. This news of this coming day of the Lord, of the year of the Lord's favor, mm-hmm. is bringing repentance to people yes. and conversion. And so it's like... The, it's edict, just, of, the edict of life yep. brings people into the kingdom. Yes. Out of the empire and out of into the, empire, the kingdom. Into the kingdom. Yeah. Yes. That's really cool. It's also just interesting to, t- to think about the interplay between the two edicts. Okay. Like, so I, I just think about like the 
the can't you know like uh how colossians talks about the the record of debt that stood against us and romans mm-hmm. talks about this too and it's like there was this decree mm-hmm. over our life that and it was like from the king yeah yeah and like god's word is irrevocable yeah you know in a sense yeah, yeah, like yeah. not because he's proud and because he's God. because he's right every every time he writes a law it's correct right you know the fact that king xerxes is described like god and his laws are unchanging and he rules over the whole world is to prove how terrible that works out when a human does it yeah like, yeah yeah right right when god has unchanging laws therefore are good right they're also for our condemnation right so yeah. god writes this letter of condemnation and yeah, like the edict of condemnation the edict of condemnation we will die and yeah. it will be right it won't be some capricious, drunken, stupid decision right. that was passed down because he was whispered in his ear while he was drunk. That he's like, "Oh, sure, we'll right. kill, we'll kill them. Let's flood the earth." Like that's not what's happening here. This is a correct, sober judgment of God, right. edict of condemnation. But then Jesus comes and he dies the death of Haman to be raised to the position of Mordecai to write a new edict, seal it with the king's ring, right. and send it to us. There's two edicts in God's kingdom, yeah. just like there was two edicts in the empire. Right. In the empire, they were violent, they were mm. capricious, they were imperfect, incomplete. And the two edicts in uh, God's kingdom actually are represent the goodness of our God. They're not contradictory. No. They're not capricious. God is a good God of life. Right. And any activity, behavior that belongs to death will not be tolerated. Right. But there's also a de- an edict of life for mm-hmm. people who commit deeds of death, yes. who commit disobedience. Right. Because God is merciful and he's loving. Right. And so it feels like those two edicts, like it feels in the book of Esther, that they shouldn't go together, that there might be a contradiction mm-hmm. in them. But we're learning in the kingdom of God, those two edicts are fine, perfect, like like overlap yep. in the cross of Jesus Christ. That's right. That's exactly it's right. only in the cross of Jesus Christ that those aren't contradictory edicts. Yeah. Because he is both the just and the justifier, as Romans 3 says. Yeah. He both fulfills and, and and allows the edict of condemnation to come along and, and be himself, thus justifying the edict of the king yeah. by taking our condemnation for us on the cross. Yeah. But then he extends to us the edict of life. Because that's what that's what Xerxes should have done. Yes. He should have he recognized should have died to his own pride. That's exactly yep. right. Mm-hmm. He should have died to the edict that was foolish wow. and foolhardy. Yep. God recognizes that his edicts aren't capricious or nope. foolhardy or based on pride. And he dies to them anyway. But he dies to them anyway <gasps> so that we might have only the edict of life applied to us. That we would only have victory and, as the next part of the text shows, rest from our enemies. So that's that's the next thing that happens. Yeah. The the battle happens on the, the battle happens. 13th of Adar. And, and the Jews... They rise up. Win. Yeah, they win. We even see numbers of like death toll numbers. Yep. And, uh, and just like you read back in Joshua, just like right. you'd read in some of the chapters in Deuteronomy. Yep. Um, and what's fascinating uh, about the about the conquest here is that, well, in verse 20 and 20, 21, 22, it talks about relief and rest from the enemies. But before we get there, it says that they did not take plunder. Right. Which, why is that significant? Well, it's, yeah, it's significant because that was the rule way back in the Torah that God gave the conquestors of the land of Canaan on how to treat the people who were to be devastated or uh, uh, designated for destruction. So the seed of the serpent, yep. that eternal conspiracy. The, yep, the Canaanites, the, the Parasites, the, the Jebusites. Right, right. Yep. Or even just like Cain. 
like yep. killing Abel, like that right. divine satanic conspiracy. Yep. You were supposed to utterly destroy, utterly destroy those people, and, and do not touch the plunder. That was the that was, that the, was the big rule. unique yep. rule yep. about now, that. To to compare it, if right. you were if you were just expanding your territory and having normal kind of diplomatic expansion wars with right. non seed of the serpent nations, right? Sure, take the plunder and but don't devote and don't and also don't devote them to complete destruction. Just engage yep. in normal warfare there. Right. This is different. This is different. So this so we keep saying that this empire isn't just Persia. Yes. It's actually a demonic consigliere mm-hmm. whispering into the ear of Xerxes yes. in the empire to further the demonic empire's goals on an, in an earthly empire. That's right. Yeah, we, we and this is this is we, we see this first in the fact that Haman is a descendant of the king of Agog, the Amalekites, who are the one of the enemies yeah. of God. And this goes all the way back to the seed of the serpent. This right. is a demonic, long-standing, like in Genesis, enemy of God. Yeah, in Genesis three fifteen, we're introduced to two like, two like an empire and a kingdom. That's There's right. There's an empire, the snake. Yep. And there's the kingdom of the seed of of, of Eve. Eve. Yep. And we see throughout history two family trees develop. Two family trees that are always in conflict. Yep. Cain kills Abel. Yep. Jacob and Esau fight. Jacob and Esau are fighting. Um, what's the, what are the, the other clear examples? Uh, like Ham and Seth. Pharaoh, yep. the seed of the serpent, yes. tries to kill all the children Big time. of. Israel. Yep. Haman tries to annihilate all the Jews. Yep. Herod wipes out all the infants mm-hmm. in Jesus's uh, birth town That's right. of Bethlehem. Yep. There's this demonic conspiracy yep. to kill the children of the people of God. Yep. This goes all the way through to Revelation. Right. And where it, in, in Revelation 13, there's this crazy vision of this woman like clothed in stars who's a, a representative of the people of God. Yep. And as she's giving birth to a child mm-hmm. who is supposed to... Uh, who, a child? Yeah. There's a dragon like crouched Crouching at her, her hips yeah. as she gives birth, yep. and seeking to like eat the child, the people of God. Mm-hmm. And what John is saying, I think, in, in the Book of Revelation, he's saying that this image is actually an image of the entire book, the entire Bible. Yeah, this is what's been happening the whole time. This is what's been happening the entire God's time. God's people have been being like being fruitful and multiplying as God said they would, and the evil one is like. A lion waiting to crouch, and, yeah. and he's crouching, and he's ready, to, ready to attack. He's, he's like, like a, a dragon. serpent wanting yeah. to de- destroy the seed of Eve. Yep. That's why Cain killed Abel. That's why Haman yep. killed the Jews. That's why Pharaoh tried to kill the Egyptians. Why Herod tried to kill Jesus. Yep. It's the same story. That's right, over and over again. So yep. all that, all that canonical context yes. to say that. What, when they don't take the plunder, mm-hmm. it's cluing you into the fact that what's happening in Persia isn't a Persian problem. No. It's a cosmic spiritual problem. Mm-hmm. And what's happening here is God's people's victory over the empire of the snake. Yes. And, and what happens is another reversal. So what's been happening yep. is as long as the people of God have been conquered by Persia, They've been assimilating into yep. Persian culture. Mm-hmm. They've been named after their gods. Yep. They're yep. they're getting drafted into their sexual competitions. They're they're cut off from the temple and are unable to follow the laws of the Torah. But as this holy war starts happening and the enemies of God are punished and judged, the opposite starts happening. Those who were worshiping Marduk and Istar yeah, yeah. are now worshiping <laughs> Yahweh. They're yeah. converting. It's yeah, a great yeah. reversal again. Like that's what's happening here. Yes. So, like, like this is what happens. Like, God is seeking and will 
destroy those who oppose him, but in order to bring about the salvation of yes. those who come to him. It's uh, as the month that had been turned for them, so the month and the day had been turned for them from sorrow into gladness, mm -hmm. from mourning into a holiday, that they should make uh, them days of feasting and gladness. Yep. So it's like what was meant for evil yep. has been turned to good. This yep. is what we read in Genesis. That's right. Um, the day of death has become the day of life. Yes. And like this is the picture we see on another day. Yeah. <laughs> Very yeah. important day. Another day. <laughs> Easter, you know? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like the day of Jesus' death, Good Friday. Easter like, you know, is probably a, a bastardization of Ishtar. Oh, that's interesting. Like it was a celebration of the one of the one of the goddesses, yeah. Ishtar. Like that's why why we say Easter, Easter rather than resurrection. That's very interesting. Fascinating, right? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, and like, but on the day of Jesus' death, that was the day that the seed of the serpent finally said, "I did it." Yeah, like that was Haman rising to power, going home and gloating to his family. Satan, you know, the evil one, the, that ancient serpent, is going like, "I did it." Right. The day of death has come. The yeah. edict that I tried to sign back in Haman's day actually got enacted. The actual seed of God yeah. has been destroyed. I did it. I crushed the yeah. head of the son of God. Yeah. That's what Satan's thinking. Yes. Yeah. And then, but ironically, this reversal happens where the day of death is actually the day of greatest life. Yeah. Because Jesus beats not only the grave in his resurrection, but in his death, yes. Satan ends up taking away his only weapon. Yeah. Which is condemnation and accusation. He is the great accuser. Yeah. And in, well, and death too. Like, think yeah, of death like, is his greatest think, weapon. Think of death and Satan for a moment as synonymous. Like if Satan's only weapon is death mm. and he uses it to conquer, like he uses himself to conquer the son of God, the son of the people, the seed of mm -hmm. the kingdom, and it doesn't work. He's defeated. He has nothing left within himself to defeat the mm. God of life with. Right. If Satan and the curse of sin is death, if death is his right. primary weapon, yeah, his ace he's utterly destroyed. Yeah. He's utterly destroyed. And on top of that, condemnation is yep. also like, right. part of it. Big time. Yes. Yeah. I mean, we're told in Colossians that he disarmed the spiritual authorities yeah. by taking the legal code against us and nailing it to the cross. Yes. The, disim the, the disarming of Satan was a legal issue too. Yes. Yeah. And then maybe another way to say that is like... Um, He's called like the ruler of this world. Yes. The ruler of this yeah. world. I mean, yeah, he's the consigliere whispering in every ear of every king. And so one way that he exercises power is through the inevitable death that happens to all of us. Like yes. that is proof of his reign and rule. Yeah. And that and that I just want to say that that death that he that you, you say like he kind of has. Yeah. This is a deputized thing yes. that he he doesn't own death. No. He's not the god of death. We're not no. Greek. Right, right, right. We're not Greek, you know, myth mythologists here. No, but he like you have to look at this, like, it in the world. He's been delegated authority to. <sighs> I don't know. I have trouble with that. I can't find a verse that says that's that. True. That's I, true. I, I think that's a Greek mythology idea. Well, God says, "I kill and I make alive." Yes. God is the one who like punishment. God said, "In that day, you will surely die." In in Genesis, mm -hmm. and God is the one who punishes justly. Yes. Satan does not have the power of death. He has the power of condemnation. He's the accuser. That's his name. He's Hasatan is the accuser. Mm, okay. He's not the killer. Right, right. He doesn't have that power. I the Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy. So no, killing. No. Satan. Wait, where, where, where's that? The thief comes to steal, kill, and yeah, destroy? Yeah. That's John 10 talking about the Pharisees. That's not Satan. 
Well, that's a whole different podcast. Yeah, but I'm just saying, I I don't like this idea of Satan having this big power to kill people. That's not... Look at Job. He had to go ask for permission to hurt him, and then he was not allowed to kill him. That's fascinating. He doesn't have that ability. He's not... He doesn't have the authority. Like, he has the authority to move kingdoms and whisper in people's ears, and he thinks that if he can kill this Jesus and stop this Jesus movement, because he thinks he's not omniscient. Right. And so he thinks that this Jesus, this incarnate son of God, I know who you are, son of God. Right. You know, he knew who he was. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. was God incarnate. He knew who he was. And he's thinking, like everyone else is thinking, that there is going to be some kind of rise to the throne. Okay. He's going to take over the kingdoms of this world and rule justly. He's going to do what David should have done. Right. He's going to rule with peace and goodness and kindness and perfection. And he can't let that happen because okay. then Israel would be reestablished, the temple of God would be filled, yeah, and yeah. the light of God would go around the world. And so he's like, if I could kill this king, though, right. then it would stop. Right. The divine plan of God would stop, and there would be no final good king on the throne of Israel. That's what he's trying to stop. Right. And so he kills this king. He, By... works, he works with the evil authorities of the world, the he... Sadducees, the Pharisees, the Roman governors. It's kind of like Haman. Haman actually doesn't have final authority to kill Mordecai. No, Xerxes does. Xerxes does. Yeah, so the, he's... the king, God. So he's always like whispering in his ear, yes. kill this person, yes. accuse this person. This person's a traitor. This right. person shouldn't be alive. Right. Which is exactly what Satan whispers into the Pharisees' ears, That's right. to Pilate's ears. Kill him. Kill him. Like, yes. Or like, yeah, yeah. And so he does this thinking it will stop the plan of God. Hmm. But in doing that, he actually disarms death itself and takes away his only tool, which is accusation. Fascinating. Like, because the record of death, the edict of death that came before us, that he is always trying to stick on us. Right, right. Now it can't because all of that condemnation has been dealt with in the very act that he put into plan on the cross. Okay, so talked a lot about the eternal conspiracy, the eternal demonic conspiracy. This is a holy war that Israel has won. Mm. They've defeated the powers of darkness. They've defeated the empire. And to commemorate that day, uh, Mordecai, makes a new edict mm-hmm. that on the day that was meant for the Jew, the people of God's destruction, <laughs> they will celebrate a feast. Yep. And particularly a feast of rest. This is what it says in Esther 9.20. Okay. And Mordecai recorded these things, referring to the defeat of the, the empire, and sent letters to all the Jews who were in all the provinces of, king, of the king, both near and far. So pause right there. Mm. That's actually a... Uh, a um, a quote from Isaiah 57, 19 and 20, oh. where it said, where there's a messianic blessing, like there's a coming blessing of peace for all of God's people. Mm. So what he's doing is he's quoting another author from the exile and he's saying, before the exile, before the exile and he's saying the peace that Isaiah has talked about, we're tasting right here and right now. Mm. So let's celebrate it in expectation of a coming and greater day yeah. of, of, and he says it in the next verse, uh, of rest. Uh, obli- and he obliges all the Jews uh, to keep the 14th day of the month of Adar, and also the 15th day, a two-day feast, um, as the days on which the Jews got relief from their enemies. Mm. That word relief yep. is that familiar. super, super important. And it's also the reason he says that they're celebrating at all. The reason that we're celebrating is that we get relief from our enemies. So that word relief or rest 
is actually all throughout the Bible. Mm. It's in the pages of Genesis, mm. uh, as God creates the world, rest. But more importantly, uh, for this context, it's also the hope of holy war. Right. Like one day, holy war, the enemies of God, the seed of the serpent will finally be destroyed. Right. So in Deuteronomy 12, 10, it's promised that once the enemies of God have been destroyed, God's temple can be built right. in the promised land. Um, in Joshua, once he destroys all of God's, all the seeds of the serpent, right, in the that's end, yep. when the temple is finally built. Um, when you have rest from your enemies, you, the, then the presence, of God, the presence comes. of God comes. That's exactly okay, right. Okay, okay. Um, and even during David's reign, it's one of the markers of David's reign and the promise in 2 Samuel 7 yes, that right. you'll have rest from your enemies. Mm-hmm. But David cannot build the temple nope. because he's a man of blood. Right. So only his son, yep. who lives in a season and has his hands unstained yep. by the holy because war. Because he's in a season of rest. He's in a season of rest. Can build a temple. Build and when he temple. did, God's presence came and filled it. That's exactly right. Yep. So um, what we should see then mm. is that when the enemies of God, when the seed of the serpent is destroyed... God's presence comes and dwells with us. Yeah. It lives with us. It fills the temple. Right. So really simply, what they're doing here is they're celebrating a taste of it. Yeah. They got a taste of it in Persia. In exile. In exile. Yeah. God's enemy, the enemies of God, the seed of the serpent has been destroyed. So the people of God will celebrate the fact that God's presence has come to us. That's ironic. If you think about it. Why? Because they are surrounded by their enemies. Yes. They're living in exile and they're yeah. claiming rest from their enemies. Yes. That's ironic. It is ironic. You're surrounded by your enemies claiming rest from your enemies. <laughs> That's not how that works. Right. Well, it should also point. So like there was a very specific group of enemies, the the, the forces that were aligned with Haman, the mm-hmm. forces that aligned with the conciliary And they, they rose up. And they rose up and they were destroyed. I see. But the surrounding nation, what happened? They became Jews themselves. <laughs> right. It's yeah. like it's pointed to the fact that it's not just Jews who can experience mm. the presence of God. It's all, all people, nations. all yep. nation, nations can experience the presence of God. Yeah. So this gets us to Jesus yes. pretty simply. Yeah. At the cross, Jesus defeats the consigliary of darkness. Right. Like he no longer has the power to condemn people to death. Right. He can no longer do that. Yep. And so we yeah. become the temple of God yeah. because his presence dwells in us. Yeah, and we, we could be, and, and before yeah. that, it's the, the consigliary is, is defeated. Yeah. So we can rest. Yes. Right. And then from God, our battle. Yeah, from the battle. So yeah. like he's not whispering in our ear anymore because everything he says is a lie. Yeah. And it's like, no, I'm perfectly right with God now. Right. And so now we are made little temples of God and mm-hmm. he comes and dwells with us. In the midst of exile, yes, we too are still in the empire. We yeah. talked about this in the first episode. Yeah. We are still in exile, but we become these outposts of the temple of God, mm-hmm. of the presence of God. And now as we go and we live, the fear of the Lord, the grace of the Lord, the edict of life that the Lord has written through the blood of Jesus yeah. pours through us and those in exile come right. to the light. Yeah. And like they convert. Like yeah. it's amazing. That's it's, the holy war we go about now. Yes. The only holy war Christians are engaged in now is against the enemy 
the spiritual right. enemy, and we go and we tear down his thresholds and other people's lives by preaching them the gospel. Yes. Hey, there's no condemnation for you anymore. Yes. Because Jesus died for what you feel condemned for. Yeah. That's the only kind of war that yeah. we engage in as Christians. Jesus was the last death of the Holy War. Yeah. That, he's the last casualty good. of the yeah, Holy yeah, yeah. War. Like yeah. he's the last casualty of the Jesus Holy War. Jesus is the last casualty of Holy War. Yes. Ooh. <laughs> That's like, maybe until the second coming. <laughs> until until oh, the yeah. second coming. Until, until the second. final death. And so I want to make sure we name right there that when we say like uh, Satan is defeated, mm. it doesn't mean we don't still experience temptation. Correct. So like in what sense then... Do we have rest from our enemy if mm-hmm. we're still being tempted by our enemy? Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yep, so it's yep. like I want to make sure that we like are really clear. It's like the presence of God comes when we have rest from our enemies. But does that mean I have to perfectly experience no temptation maybe, in maybe, order to maybe feel this God and worship? Maybe yeah. this is helpful. So let's say this isn't going to be perfect, but okay. I think it'll be helpful. So let's say you have an anger issue, right? And one day that anger issue led you to kill a person okay and you're taking a trial and you get a not guilty verdict okay and let, let's somehow figure out that justice was actually carried out in that situation okay. <laughs> you go home your guilt your 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 guilt is gone like yeah. no one can bring a charge against you okay. it's done the court the case isn't going to be re-examined yeah, yeah, yeah. there's no guilt that can be brought against you but you still have an anger issue mm-hmm. like it's still you know that's still right. a part of you and like and, and like, you know you committed all those crimes, yeah. even if for whatever reason you got off free. Oh, maybe that's not a good example then. What I'm trying to say yeah. is like the, 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 the accuser comes to you and says, you are still that same murderer. Yes. And you're like, no, like all the justice has been done. I'm right. actually not that person anymore. It is helpful. That is helpful because we have committed true crimes yes. against the kingdom of God. We have right. committed treason against the kingdom of God. And Satan isn't coming just telling us false things that we did. He's mm. telling us true things about right. what we did. Right. And he's saying, you should be condemned. Right. You don't deserve to live. Right. You deserve to die. You deserve to stay in whatever hellhole you thought you, you think you deserve. Yeah. And what the crazy thing about the gospel is that verdict of guilty, despite the evidence to the contrary, yes. Sticks. Yes. And we have a hard time believing we are innocent. Mm-hmm. And Satan is always trying to convince us no, no, right. no, you should have got the gr- right. verdict of guilty. Yep. So, one way to, th- I think that's yeah. actually, and we, need to, and we need to hold up the edict of life, Romans yes. 8 1. No, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Yes. Like, there that's is, our, that's our, like, yeah. shield. Our, that's there's the edict rest of life. for me. There's the rest e- for me in, in, in Romans 8 1. In the edict of yeah, life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Edict of life. That's exactly right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it is helpful. Okay. It's kind of confusing. It is confusing. But it is like, it is kind of what we're talking about. Yeah. So the way in which we are no longer under the power of the evil one and get to experience the rest of God's presence is that the verdict of guilty, the verdict of condemnation, the edict of death, has been dealt with. Mm. Satan has no final power over us. We will only experience life when we trust in God's son and in in the seed of the woman and Mm -hmm. the the, uh, son of the kingdom. Right. Um, However, Satan, the Satan, the seed of the the serpent, the accuser, accuser, he's still trying to convince you that the Mm -hmm. edict of life doesn't Doesn't apply to you. Doesn't apply to you. Yeah. So, you no, didn't no. do anything to earn it. Or, exactly yeah. right. So I think that, and so the temptation is, well, might as well just act like the edict of death mm, is still hanging over you. Right. If you're going to die anyway. Yeah. If I'm going to die, I'm going to die. If you're going to die, you're going to die. Why not? When I die, I die. <laughs> Why this, not? This is Esther. 
do whatever you want to do. Yeah. Why right. not fulfill your greatest desires? Right. Why not eat, drink, and be merry because tomorrow you die? Right. The edict of death is coming for you. Mm-hmm. So I think that's probably the way in which yep. uh, temptation still works itself out while the power of it is mm-hmm. actually gone. Which is why like Paul will say when he says like, don't don't sin, don't fall into the mm-hmm. old patterns that you used to. He says, do you not know that you were bought with a price? Yeah. That you are the temple of the Holy Spirit? Like, don't listen to the lies of who you were. Yeah. Listen to the truth of who you've been made to be. Yes. So hear the good news of the book of Esther. Because of Jesus's victory on the cross over the power of the serpent, you are at rest mm. from the condemnation, from the edict of death. Yeah. It cannot come from you. So live like the edict is true. Yeah. Amass your followers. Yeah. Amass, muster your friends for the goal of seeing Persia and the empire come into the kingdom. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah. That's so good. Uh, one thing I love about this day of rest is that it's called the day of lots. Yes, right? the, the feast of Purim, the day of the dice. So yeah. it, the day of the dice memorializes forever this beauty of the book of Esther that it looks like everything happened by chance, but it's all divinely orchestrated. Yes. Because it's like this day of the dice that it's like, eh, well, and I guess it's all random. And it's just, right. everything's happening by the roll of the dice. And like life can feel that way. Like everything feels random. Feels everything's like God, by chance. God's yep. out of control or yep. not even real. Right. And it's like, but the day of the dice is a yearly festival to show the people that even though this day was picked by a roll of the dice, God was in control of it all to bring about his purpose. What Haman thought was the roll of dice is actually God's seventh day of creation. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Like the day of rest comes not by Haman's dice, yes, but by my power Mm. and my new creation in you. Wow. New life. Yeah. Welcome to the eighth day. That's (laughs) welcome to the eighth. Let's go. That's so cool. Um, Okay. So the book ends with Mm. um, chapter 10. Very short chapter. Super short chapter. And we'll talk about maybe why it's so short. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll talk about that a but, little bit. But yeah. it, it, three verses in this chapter. And the first verse is King Ahasuerus, or King Xerxes, the king, uh, imposed tax on the land and on the coastlands of the sea and all the acts of his power and might and the full account of his honor. Of the, of the high honor of Mordecai. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. I, was getting, I was getting too excited. You getting too excited. But, to yeah. which the king advanced yeah. him. Right. Are, are, are they written not? in the book of the Chronicles, Chronicles of the Kings of Media and Persia. And so we get this last little statement here, you know, before the ending. Yeah. And it's like the king is re-exerting his power. He's taxing the people of God. The people of God. And it's like, wait a second. That doesn't sound like rest, and that doesn't sound like peace, and that doesn't sound like prosperity. The people of God are still in the empire. Yeah. The the taxes aren't going to the temple. Right. These aren't the tithes and free will offerings of the people of God. They're going back to the shallowness and the gregariousness. Yeah, this is hollowness. The people of God's resources, which were once used to build the tabernacle in the wilderness, are now being go are going to uh further or like uh, make beautiful the false inner court of King Xerxes. Right, which is what our taxes do. Oh, yeah, today. totally. There's how uh-huh. many governmental organizations, wars that are being fought, yep. organizations that are being funded yep. by the taxes imposed on the people of God. That it's, we could be using for other things. So mm-hmm. what that points to is that this battle, mm-hmm. even as we experience victory, is not yet over. That's right. The, satan- the eternal... Uh, satanic conspiracy is still going on. Is still going on. Yep. 
And I think even like Esther is giving us categories for victory yet continued conflict. Yep. Jesus, victory, yeah. continued conflict. That's right. Rest and exile. Rest and exile is happening side by side. Mm. So what we're really hoping for is a final... Rest in rest. Yes. And like freedom in freedom, peace in peace. Like yes. Where there's no more tension between the two, but that rest is full, final, continual, uninterrupted rest. Yeah. That peace is deep, abiding, like not going anywhere peace. Yeah. Shalom. You know, like that's what yeah. we want. So and we're not there yet. We're not there yet. The yeah. book of Esther actually like for like is a foreshadow of Armageddon. Yes. So when the people, uh, the final enemies of God, the final seeds of the serpent, the final empire comes against the final armies of the people of God's kingdom. Yep. And there's a great battle just like there mm-hmm. here is in the book of Esther and God's people are victorious. Yes. Very quickly. Very quickly by the mouth, the mouth of, of, Jesus. The, of Jesus. He just speaks. He and speaks a they word. They are destroyed. And they're destroyed. Yep. And we I take wonder, none of their plunder. I wonder if what he'll say is, it is finished. It is but, finished. You know, who yeah. knows? Who knows? <laughs> that would be awesome. That would be dope. <laughs> it, is, it is finished. Yeah. And uh, so um, I, I think it's really interesting, you know, as, we, as we, we've looked at this, and, and really I think we have doubled down on what you and I are con- convinced is the central theme of this book. Wait. At least the, the central like the, the central context. conflict, yeah, the conflict, the tension, yes, the setting is, is between Haman and Mordecai. Yes, and and ultimately between what they represent, yeah. which are the people of God and the people of the serpent. Yeah, and so with that, and, and so like we, we were kind of talking about like I think that's right, and we we, right. we talked about it even more last night. And about, not to say that yeah. they aren't real people in real history. Absolutely. Because and, if they're and, yeah. not real people in real history, it has, doesn't actually work. Yes. We still believe the consigliere of darkness is whispering to every world leader right now. Yeah. He's whispering to us right yes. now. Like, this has this, to have happened in happens. history. Yes. yes. Uh, but it is. But God, and that just shows further that nothing is a roll of the dice. God is in control of everything because he's using things that actually happen to tell bigger stories. Yes. And so, but but we were talking about this, and then um, and then we 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 started to realize that the book of Esther actually has what are called deuterocanonical chapters. So now that's a big fancy word for like they the, the that there are chapters added on at a later time to this book. So if you attend a Catholic church, you're yep. familiar with the apocrypha. The deuterocanonical books is what they're also called. Yeah, and they're yep. just added to it. And so these books. So if you are a Catholic or maybe even Greek Orthodox, you might have these chapters in your Bible. Yeah. And so we don't as Protestants, but it is very interesting uh, how these later editions shed light on how to interpret the book of Esther. Yeah, chap- at least the history of interpretation of the book of Esther. Yep. And chapter 11 goes and describes a dream that Mordecai has yes. between these two dragons that are trying to consume the people of God. The people of God. Yeah. And this small number of people, like I think it's like like a tiny uh, spring, yep. rushes out like a great river and destroys the dragons. The dragons. Yes. And we have and like in like and so like we're like, oh, this is the dream that Mordecai has to help him understand what's happening yes. to himself and Haman and Esther. What's really going on behind the scenes? God showed him in this dream, you know, it's apparently. Yeah. And it's uh, this it's this great dragon, the serpent from yeah. from eternity past. And so like Which uh, is exactly yeah. what John dreams in uh, his apocalypse exactly. in the book of Revelation. There's a dragon. So even if water. it's not inspired literature, <laughs> right. it's just somebody interpreting the book for us. It's still very helpful. It's super helpful. We yep. actually have a history of interpretation that says that this isn't just Xerxes versus mm-hmm. it's just not Haman versus Mordecai. Which is just a really yeah. good thing for us to remember that the things going on in this world are not just earthly. That 
that there there yeah. there are there are spiritual elements to the decisions that world leaders make and that you and I make it on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. Like how we treat one another is not just a carnal decision. Yeah. It is one that has spiritual ramifications for how that person will live the rest of their life and have a relationship with God. Right. And like the same thing happens at a geopolitical scale. Like how, yeah. how countries interact with yes. one another. And like God is doing something through all of that. And yeah. it might seem, especially right now, it might seem that it's all out of control. It might seem that yeah. there's just someone, someone is rolling the dice and I really hope it doesn't turn up double six, yeah. you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. And, and like, uh, but God is in control. Like that's, I think is, is, the, the, big is point. the big point. And we see that most clearly in the fact that when it came up double sixes for Jesus, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. and the lots did not fall in his favor on that day, on that day he died. Yeah. We, we see that God is still in control. Yeah. And he rose from the dead and like God is doing something with all the seeming chaos. Yeah. And he's doing something beautiful, like so beautiful that when you look at the book of Esther, you're like, it has to be an author behind this book. The justice is too poetic for there not to be. And so think about this. One day we will be able to look back on the historical events that have unfolded throughout all the centuries on earth. And it will look like this beautiful poetic chiasm. Right. Like the book of Esther. It will all make sense. It will all have a, a part and counterpart, a yeah. point and counterpoint. And like everything we will see that God has built this grand narrative and the end result of that narrative yeah. will be us saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Like yeah. you are glorious. You are perfect. You are beautiful. Your mm-hmm. works are beyond compare. Oh, the depths of the wisdom of the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his ways. Like yeah. that is what That's will pour out of us when we see the final book of Esther. Right. The, uh, like in the chiasm the eschatological of the book of Esther. It'll yeah, be yeah. amazing. Yeah. Like that's what God's doing in the seeming chaos and dice rolls of the world. Yes. He is in control, not the seed of the serpent. Yeah. And that is nothing's a roll of the dice. Yeah, nothing's the roll. Nothing's a roll of the dice. Yeah. And I think that is the good news that Esther brings yeah. us. So, there can I ask is. you one more question though? Yo, before yeah, we yeah, go, yeah. don't don't. There it is. Yet I won't. There it is. Let's move from like the political okay. and the chaotic forces of the world. Yeah. To what will it feel like to experience final rest from the consigliere oh. of darkness? Yes. So like I have in my mind like there I think it's Augustine he says in the in the garden Adam was able, able not a, able to sin able, and not able to sin he was able not uh not <laughs> passe peccare and passe non peccare so, was the Latin so he said he was able to sin and able not to sin yes yes so uh, after basically, Adam, what, basically what that means is right. he actually was free yeah. in his own heart to actually do the right thing. Yes. But he also was free to do the wrong thing. Yes. Now, we believe that that is how every human being operates. Yeah. We believe every human being has that freedom to do right or do wrong. Right. No. The fall comes in and we are um, posse, uh, not not able not to sin. Yes. We're non-posse, non-picare. Yeah. We're not able not The sin. only thing we can do is sin because everything we do, even if it looks right, is unjustly motivated. It's selfish. Part of the it's it's in so intricately connected with the empire. That it's you... all in service of the prince of the power of the air. Yeah, yeah. But then whenever whenever we become Christians, yeah, the the that that bond that slavery is broken. Yeah, we are now able not to sin. Now we go back to Adam's state, and we're able. We are able to able not to sin and able to sin. Yeah, and but, yeah. But then, then 
on the last day, yes. when the final reversal comes, when the final rest comes. We will not be able to sin. Yes. Ah, it's the best. So good. It's my so, favorite thing. So what yeah. does that feel like? I don't know, but I want to know <laughs> yeah. so bad. Yeah. Like, could you just imagine, like, think about your greatest sin, the thing that you struggle with. And every time it happens, you just get wrecked. And you're like, why is this still here? Imagine going to the place where your sin ultimately comes up, you know, like the, the place where you always are confronted with it and you can't avoid it when you go to that place, like an alcoholic going to a bar, yeah. right? And you go to that place and you have no desire for that sin anymore. You don't go, man, that still looks good, but I have the power to overcome it. That's not what we're talking about here. We're not talking about you will always be able to say no. Yeah. Right? No. That's not what we're talking about. No. We're saying the desire for that sin will be completely obliterated. You won't even want it anymore. And 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 every false desire will be replaced with better ones. And so all that you will be able all you will say to your desires every time they pop up in your heart is yes. Mm. Every desire in your heart that you'll just say yes to. And that and that yes to your inmost desire won't be a sin. It will be good. Mm. It will be yeah. it will be righteousness that you enact. And you will be doing it perfectly consistent with your own desires. Because that's how God operates. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's I just I like want that so bad. Like I I feel myself being like tired of sinning. Right? I feel tired having to second guess your all motives. Of my deci- decisions. Because yes. were they were they inspired by the empire? Yeah. Like I'm tired trying uh, not to yell at my kids and yeah. failing at that. Like, right. I'm tired of like trying to be a good husband mm. and failing at that. Mm-hmm. Like I'm tired of being selfish and then having to catch myself. Like I'm tired of rehearsing my past mistakes in my head and listening to that accusing and feeling condemned the 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 edict to death and f- hating myself for it. Like yeah. I'm exhausted. Like. I, I groan to be free free by that ping pong in my mind between like I'm better than everybody else and deserve to be celebrated <laughs> and, and worse than like I do that all the time. Um, yeah. One of my favorite lines in the Chronicles. I think I've said this before. You probably have, but go. But for like, it. is when Prince Caspian dies uh. and he enters into Narnia's version of heaven yeah. with Aslan, the final rest, and he asks Aslan, Aslan. Uh, can I see my friends one last time? Mm. Like he wants to go see like Edmund and Lucy yeah, yeah, and everybody. Yeah. And then he catches himself and he's like, oh, is that okay? Mm. Am I allowed to want that? Is it okay for me to want that? And Aslan responds, my child, you cannot want wrong things anymore. You cannot want wrong like, things can anymore. You imagine? Bring that on. Never wanting a wrong <laughs> oh thing gosh. again. Like, I feel like I spend so much time oh. trying to figure out if something I want is a good thing or a bad thing or a foolish things. Like You will not want, want wrong things anymore. I will not want wrong things anymore. You will only eat from the tree of life. You will experience rest. Yeah. Internally. Internal rest. Yes. Oh. Every desire I will ever have is always go. Yes, mm-hmm. do, yep. enjoy. Yep, and God will smile upon each of those decisions that you make internally yes. consistent with your own affections. Yeah. Amazing. Could you imagine everything that you want to do is allowed? And like makes and, God happy. And celebrated. And is consistent with his desires. Like That's the rest of the book of Esther. Yes. Invites us to hope for. Definitely. The empire is gone. Yes. The consigliere of sin can no longer 
condemn yep. that we are no longer so intermingled with the empire that mm. we have to second guess all of our decisions. Right. Like we do when we read Esther. We're yeah, like, yeah. Is she good or bad? Right. I don't know. Am I good or bad? Am I good do or bad? I know? That's not no more. There is rest. <laughs> There's rest. From every enemy. Oh, it's so good. I'm glad you you held on to mine. <laughs> don't don't end yet. That's yeah. good news. What now can I now can I end? Now end. That's the that's the place to land the plane. I love it. Go for it. Well, that's it. <laughs> that's it. That's there the book of Esther. That's the book of Esther. I'm pretty sure we could talk for a l- good bit longer in the book of Esther. Yeah, we. It, this is a beautiful book. It really is, is. We hope this has been enjoyable for you guys. Um, thank you if you're watching. Mm. Thank you for joining us on our first series. Please on subscribe YouTube. to YouTube. Yep, subscribe. and to our podcast. Yep, yep. Uh, so, like us. That's yep. how more people find out about. Jesus and all of scripture. Yep, yep. You always say like us, but it's it's leave us a review. Leave us a review. That's right. It's yep. five star rating. Five star rating. Leave us Nothing a review. Nothing below five stars or one star that you define why it's one star. Yeah, you know. can't leave a one yeah, star rating right. and not tell us why. Um, and then if you're watching on YouTube or if you're new to the podcast, um, we've been doing this for a year and a half. Yeah. So there's a huge back catalog. We have episodes on every single chapter of the Torah. So go binge. Go for binge it. And so Torah. anyway, uh, we'll be back next week with more goodies we're still debating on what book we want to do next so i can't i can't reveal it yet it'll be a surprise surprise thank you guys so much for joining us and we'll see you next time thank you for listening to the spoken gospel podcast spoken gospel is a nonprofit that gives all its resources like this podcast away for free because of supporters like you To help Spoken Gospel in our mission to speak the gospel out of every corner of Scripture and view all our free resources, visit SpokenGospel.com.